Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back, and thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. I hope everybody is doing well. I did the intro again without introducing what podcast this is. This is the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. I am one of your hosts. I you am- crack me up. You don't have to because we have our intro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I listen to it every week, and you think I would like- I'm like- you're fine. You're good. <laughs> it's just funny when I do because it's like, you know, that like flow of like, you know, anyway, Yuri Von Brandenburg. <laughs> <laughs> I am Yvonne Brandenburg. What up, Jordan Porter? <laughs> oh, it's I'm tired still. <laughs> like you're tired. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like recouping. What's recouping? Recouping from the coffer- conference and only having like two days to do it it's it's hard I know like my family like when I got home they're like let's go 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 and like they're like we missed you let's go do things and I was like I just want to be home and like right um yeah so you know there's I know mine mine was you're home for two days and then you leave and so now I'm already I'm gone already like (laughs) I'm in a hotel at the moment (laughs) so uh, can't wait until October's over. Then I then I have a couple of months of recouping, and uh, it'll be nice. I I'm going to enjoy the off season. That's that's how I'm looking at it. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, that's the thing is like I was kind of looking forward to because I was like we don't really travel for the holidays, right? Because like we have mm. all the things here, and so it's like if we're going to do anything big for the holidays, we just invite people over. And so I'm kind of like, at this point, nobody plans on coming and I don't plan on going anywhere. So I'm like, all right, cool. (laughs) Like I'm content. I'm happy. Yeah. We talked about it. We like inviting all of our family and some of our friends up for the holidays, like maybe the week after Christmas. Um, Just because they some of them haven't been to our house yet so I don't know we'll see and it's and it's a way bigger house than we've ever had so yeah yeah (laughs) like we could actually host people which would be really nice so we'll see we'll see what ends up happening we still haven't figured it out we got a little bit of time it's all good not much like Thanksgiving's next month (laughs) and it's like yeah I mean we're not we wouldn't do it for Thanksgiving it'd be like after Christmas Christmas, so yeah yeah, yeah, like we don't really. I'm probably gonna take my kids to Tennessee next week, but that's about it. I'm gonna <laughs> take them halfway to Tennessee. I'm not actually going all the way. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So anyway, but we had fun at the conference, but now we're back to our normal grind. Um, mm-hmm. A few things to touch on. We do have our conference coming up. Uh, that's coming up quick. November 12th. It's a Sunday. We're going to do eight hours of race approved CE. Um, and that's going to be With some pretty amazing lectures. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. The technicians that are doing the lectures. I'm super excited. Um, yes, yeah, so Jordan and I are doing one each, but like 
yeah, whatever. <laughs> you guys are used to us, but we will be doing some, and then we have some other lectures. And yep, I'm so super excited to hear their stuff. It's going to be forty nine dollars for IMFET members, um, one hundred fifty nine dollars for non members. Uh, so definitely sign up if you want to join. Like I said, eight hours race approved CE. Uh, it's going to be what ten a.m. to like. 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m. my time, um, so Eastern Standard Time, and then 7 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Sorry for our international folks that sometimes runs into like the <laughs> 1 a.m. to 11 a.m. time frame, and so I'm like, right? yeah. we do plan on um, recording the sessions, but the recordings won't be race approved, and we're still working out the logistics as to where we're going to put those recordings, um, but we will get that up for our definitely our international folks for sure um otherwise let's see love huvet too definitely don't forget to go check out love huvet and their wellness oh, journals yeah. um i feel like now is a good time for the wellness journal thing because like as yeah. we're coming up to the end of the year right like we all start getting that like compassion fatigue around the holidays because like i don't know about you but i saw mm. like, the amount of like euthanasias and just like illnesses we'd always see around the holidays like it just kind of wears on you so definitely yeah. check out her mental health journal. Um, it's It was created specifically for veterinary professionals. Um, I have one. It's great to really help wind down after a long day, which was great when I was in practice because like you could write down your like favorite case of the day or the case that just kind of stuck with you. And so there's wonderful little prompts that kind of get you talking because I don't know about you guys, but like I'm not a natural writer. Like someone needs to ask me a question and be like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so it's a good way to really just let go of your daily stress so you can start each day with like a clear, peaceful mind. Um, it's really affordable. And she sold over 5,000 journals just in the last two years to new and read. Which is amazing. Yeah, that's why. And like good for you. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Good yeah. on the veterinary industry for actually taking advantage of that. Um, definitely right. go grab yours at lovehuvet.com and save 10% with our code IMFVT10 to get 10% off. Um and yeah, definitely check her out and check out all of the uh, all the stuff that she has. She's got amazing stickers and things too. But definitely look at the wellness journals for sure. Yeah, and that's Love Huvet L O V E H U V E T dot com. Um, it's to love. It's basically loving the human part of veterinary medicine. Is is how she got that, which I love it. I think it's it's super cute. Um, and. You've seen our, we have the stickers. Jordan has like some of the shirts and stuff. And, and I don't know that, like, here's my thing. Like, let's support, you know, individual businesses, especially coming into the holidays, like support your small businesses. And um, Emily, she's got some pretty amazing stuff. So definitely, definitely go check that out. Um, and let's see, just a quick reminder for next month. We talked about it. Um, we won't have our normal monthly CE for our members. Uh, we're doing the the conference instead, but we'll get back to the normal monthly in November. Just to just to no, kind no, of no. A in December. In December, we'll get back. Oh to the God, normal. yeah, it's already October, November. Sorry, yes. Yeah, so we'll get back to our normal monthly in December. <laughs> Yes, in December, uh, the months are starting to run together. Also, for some reason, yeah. October to December, like that November, like November is a hard month for me to like 
I don't know. The transition is so short, it seems like, from like fall to winter <laughs> in November. Yeah. And so, yeah. anyway. So this week we're going to be talking about thymomas. Um, I personally, like, I mean, like, it's one of those diseases where I'm like, kind of sucks for the pet, but like, I find them mm. quite interesting because they can cause a couple of different ailments, um, which is what, yeah. normally what I see them for or what I had seen them for. So what thymomas are, though, they're uh, neoplasia that originate from the thymic epithelium. And we're going to talk about like kind of it's so wild because like I learned so much about thymomas, obviously doing these notes again, because like I've seen them, but like the differentiating them and then seeing the ones I don't what we're going to get into <laughs> like Do you talk about where the thymus is no because I feel like some people have no idea where the thymus is <laughs> like so it I mean if you think about it um because we've seen it so like mm -hmm. to us it just seems much more accessible I guess um but it's in the chest um it is basically it's between excuse me it is between the lung lobes um it's next to the esophagus it's next to the heart like it's just so it's it's basically it's in that um that space in between why am i not it's not the pericardium it's in the mediastinum thank you <laughs> i'm like what is it called that space is really early for me i can't remember mediastinum um, and so that's, that's where it is. So when we do chest x-rays, like that's where you'll see it is mm -hmm. kind of cranial thoracic cavity. Um, Which is it's very obvious sometimes when there's a thymoma in there, you're like, Oh, that, that, that's it. Yeah. It's just a good old mediastinal mass. Like, you know, it's just no big deal. Yeah. I mean, I kind of briefly touch on it, but not into that detail. So, yeah. uh, Thymomas, though, can be classified as either invasive or non-invasive, right? And so typically about 50% of dogs, um, which we're going to focus mostly on dogs because that's more what we see it in, but it does affect other animals, which I'll get to here in a little bit. But thymoma is non-invasive in about 50% of dogs, um, which is great because like once they're invasive, like they're much harder to remove. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the great thing about the non-invasive thymomas is they are typically very well encapsulated, be making it just even easier to pop them suckers out. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, minus the fact that it's a chest surgery, but like... I was like, relatively easy, I guess, you know, comparatively. <laughs> I mean, the surgery techs are like, what is this person, this IM tech talking about, this easy surgery to yeah, just pop out I was tumors? Like, um... Thoracic surgery isn't that easy. I'm just saying. <laughs> when compared to the invasive thymoma. Yeah. Um, yeah. the great thing too is thymomas, although they can be malignant or benign, which we're going to talk about too, they do rarely metastasize, which is great. Um, because like once they metastasize, which is insane when you think about it. Like it is right, right there next, next to the lungs, which that's where everything metastasized too. So the fact that it doesn't easily do it is kind of mind blowing. It is, but I will say also like, but the invasive <laughs> form of thymoma uh, is yeah. quite destructive. 
And yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of really important things and it's by that it invades too. Yeah. So it's like, even though it doesn't really, metastasize, really like once it starts yeah. digging into that aorta, it's like, oh, <laughs> like, yeah. And anyway. you got the cranial, cranial vena cava. You've got the thoracic wall. You got the pericardium that it likes to invade into if it's going to. Yeah. So that's, that's super fun. <laughs> yep. And so oftentimes we are like, if surgery is even on the table for these guys, right, we're going to do biopsies of this mast. And there's a couple, well, there's several different types of histiopathologic subtypes of thymomas. So there can be a lymphocyte rich, there can be a clear cell, there can be an epithelial cell. Um, and it is thought that dogs with the lymphocyte rich form of um, thymoma actually does have a better prognosis. Um, so that's always good. Versus our invasive thymoma, um, our invasive thymoma actually will invade like things that are just close by, right? Yep, exactly. Yvonne kind yep. of like already kind of said what we're going to run into, but the cranial vena cava, the thoracic wall, the pericardium, those obviously are all bad things to start invading into, which when we start talking about like the invasive thymoma, I think of um, squamous cell carcinomas, like... <laughs> For some reason, mm. I don't know why, but um, I don't think they are squamous, though. No, they're are not. They? No, I was they're, like, wait, that's they're not what they are. <laughs> no, they're epithelial usually. Um, mm. And so, anyway, so thymomas can be cystic as well, so they can look a little lumpy, bumpy. Mm. They usually arise from the thymic epithelium, um, which makes <clears> sense. Yep, exactly. And it can have uh, lymphocyte involvement, which obviously can be like that. That's going to be the malignant component of it because like lymphocytes circulate everywhere. <laughs> um, mm. But it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't metastasize easily, which is great. So, <clears throat> but the problem is when we look at like the malignant version of it, the lymphoid component really does exfoliate like so much better than the epithelial component of the thymoma. Um so in those cases, it actually can be quite difficult to try to differentiate like a thymoma versus like a lymphosarcoma um, at the mediastinal area. So uh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then um, paraneoplastic hypercalcemia has also been reported in some of our dogs with thymomas, but only about 5%. So keep an eye on those calcium levels. <laughs> right. But when we look at thymomas, right. We know that thymomas can affect many different species. Dogs, again, is what we're going to really focus on because that's more what we see it in when we see it in veterinary medicine. But cats can develop it. So can rabbits and ferrets and humans. Um, <laughs> I'm going to not get into... There's some really cool human studies on it, but... like, <laughs> Right? <laughs> and so although like thymomas really are considered like a rare disease, I've seen a handful of them for sure. Um, yeah, definitely. It is one of the most common like tumors, like mediastinal tumors found in dogs. So if a dog's gonna have a mediastinal tumor, it's gonna be it's more common that it's a thymoma than anything else. If mm. that makes sense, even though it's rare. So um, the dogs that are typically going to develop a thymoma, they're gonna be older, medium to large breed dogs. We see it pretty commonly in Labradors, which is all I ever seen it in in goldens actually and goldens is even on the list but labs and german shepherds uh tend to have the most uh breed yeah. 
predisposition and there's not a sex predisposition. So males and females can both develop. Yeah. Animals. So it's funny because I picture like the patients that I've seen and they've definitely been those larger, larger breed dogs. I picture Goldens in labs. That's like. I've kind of seen so many of them because we worked right next to the oncology department. So mm-hmm. we saw all sorts. Yeah. So when we get into clinical signs, though, clinical signs can vary based on like the type of thymoma that we're dealing with, right? So starting Mm. off with a non-invasive thymoma, right? These guys typically are asymptomatic, or if they do have some clinical signs, they might be very nonspecific. And they are just going to be kind of like a vague description that there might be a large space occupying like mass in the thoracic cavity. So yeah. um, sometimes we'll see things like exercise intolerance, uh, dysphagia, dyspnea, coughing. I think coughing is the thing that we saw the most of. Yeah. Cause it's the coughing and yeah. Cause it's like, because of where it is, like it really um, compresses on the trachea and the bronchi. And so it's like, it squishes it. So we've definitely seen that. And you can also get pleural effusion because of it, which is kind of crazy. Which makes sense. Um, Cause right. Like there's inflammation. Mm-hmm. And if there's this tumor that's rubbing on things in there, like the body's right. create like a fluid to help, um, help with that friction. And so we can also mm-hmm. see weight loss in these guys too. Cause they just generally yeah. like, they're just like mildly decreased appetite kind of thing, but they're losing weight. Um, they can also get that dysphagia and even drooling. And that can be just secondary to like that mass kind of pushing on that esophageal region, or these guys <laughs> can even develop megasophagus, which is how I most commonly found a thymoma in a pet uh, was because mm. they came in for megasophagus. And then, <laughs> yeah. And then if the tumor is growing large enough, or if it, even though this is a non-invasive thymoma, it can still push on things, right? And it can still kind of grow around things, even though it's not invading things. And so sometimes we can even see uh, LARPAR because of like, just there's peripheral nerve um, being like entrapped in that tumor. It's not necessarily being invaded. It's just so being crazy. like covered. <laughs> like, smashed yeah <laughs> Road it's like block. a Hulk smash basically is what's happening <laughs> yeah and so we can see some additional this is how i've always seen like thymomas was just these perineoplastic mm. syndromes that are associated with the thymoma like they'd always come in for these things like myasthenia gravis um hypercalcemia or aplastic anemia and so um that's usually or when like i pl- plasma proteins yeah and so like that's when i would always see like we'd always investigate for a thymoma it was mostly we'd have a myasthenia gravis case. <laughs> so, yeah, especially in internal medicine, because right. They see these, these other perineoplastic presentations and they're like, Oh, it's got to go to internal medicine. And then we get them and we're like, well, it's because there's a mass. <laughs> and then we tell them now go to oncology. There's also the invasive thymoma. Um, so the invasive and the non-invasive as far as like perineoplastic and clinical signs are pretty much the same. So you're not going to be able to differentiate from that. There is um, a cranial vena cava syndrome that can occur with invasive um, thymoma. You can get edema in the submandibular area, the neck, thoracic inlet, thoracic limbs. You can also get um, a pleural effusion. So like a chylothorax, um, just because 
things are being invaded. So we're no longer, you know, draining the way that we should. Um, there's also pneumothorax or hemothorax that can also happen with an invasive thymoma because structures are breaking down that are not supposed to break down. Which would really um, suck. I've never seen an invasive thymoma. I don't, I don't know if I know that I have, you know what I mean? Fair. Like, I've never seen, I've definitely any... seen some, I saw a dog one time with a uh, vena cava syndrome, but it was like, it was in like ER and they yeah. end up euthanizing. And I was like, I bet that's probably what that was. That's true. I um, have seen that, but like, I haven't yeah. had, I haven't ever had a case that came in with like a pneumo or hemothorax or like it's never that. been so significant yeah. that there's been like, like if it was, it was, yeah, that cranial vena cava syndrome where we did find like a mediastinal mass, but they did decide to euthanize. So we never investigated yeah. that further. Yeah. So, yeah. And then um, we're kind of touching on those paraneoplastic syndromes. Like we've already talked about myasthenia gravis. I'm sorry. I don't remember which episode number that was, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's mostly where, I would see thiamomas was with our myasthenia gravis cases. But like I said, remember to kind of have it on the list when looking at hypercalcemia or any sort of aplastic anemia. But yeah, so there was a study done and uh, myasthenia gravis has been present. Like 40% of dogs with myasthenia gravis had a thymoma. So probably 40% 40, 40 I've seen. And then, um, so our differential diagnosis though, our list can be quite long, like, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, we, well, and I think we kind of touched on lymphosarcoma already, yeah. right? So, especially because there's there's very few things in that space, but that's definitely one of them. You've got thymic carcinoma, which ooh, yes. that sucks. Uh, thymic branchial cyst. I've never seen that, and that nope. sounds crazy. Um, ectopic thyroid or parathyroid neoplasia, which we've definitely seen those, <laughs> um, never even heard of this next one. Aortic body tumor sounds horrible. Um, metastatic carcinoma, uh, and rib or internal sarcomas extending into the medial sinus space, which. Oh, interesting. So Cause then I horrible. guess, a, what if a chondro, so then a chondrosarcoma should technically be on that list too. Cause I've seen like sternum chondrosarcomas. Oh yeah. Sure. yeah. That sounds horrible. But yeah. <laughs> all the tumors. <laughs> just, just be on. <laughs> all the tumors, all the tumors. And so diagnostics can be I mean, like kind of what you expect, right? Like we should be running blood work and like, so conference of camps, right. CCT4, but really when it comes to diagnostics and like truly coming to a diagnosis, you're going to look at the clinical signs, right? You're going to do a physical mm -hmm. exam, especially if they've had cable syndrome, um, or if there's changes when being auscultated because like mm -hmm. maybe that pleural mm -hmm. effusion, right. But our hematology stuff is going to generally be pretty unremarkable. Like hopefully you don't have any hypercalcemia. Um, right. You can see a lymphocytosis um, in a pseudo hyperparathyroidism, which again, it would be that like high calcium level and it's yeah. pseudo hypoparathyroidism because it looks like hyperparathyroidism, but it's not because it's because of this tumor. <laughs> right. And then 
here. X-rays. Yeah, we're definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely going to take x-rays. And usually with our thoracic, really well collimated three-view chest films, we mm. are going to see a space-occupying mass. Sometimes um, we can see like dorsal elevation of that trachea and esophagus, like yeah. Yvonne was talking about. We can see caudal displacement of the cardiac silhouette, which is also crazy. I don't like when the heart's not in the position that it should be. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, ah, (laughs) why is the, why is the heart towards the tail? (laughs) Oh my God. Or like, why is the heart like touching the sternum? (laughs) Right. You're like, none of this is good. Yeah. Yeah. Why is it right under the esophagus? (laughs) (laughs) Like right up in the, in the throat. Anyway. Um, What I've seen a lot is like mega esophagus with like secondary aspiration pneumonia mm. um, because of the myasthenia graphis usually. Uh, and then sometimes you can see minimal pleural effusion with non-invasive cyanomas. You can see a lot more pleural effusion, mm-hmm. um, which could like in turn like hide the mass a little bit with our invasive thymoma, which makes sense, right? Like invasive yeah. is going to cause way more inflammation, which will cause more pleural effusion. So if you see more pleural effusion, that's unfortunate because (laughs) then you probably have an invasive thymoma. Um, And then you could potentially see pulmonary metastases, but again, these are pretty- It's not as common. Not as common. Don't, definitely don't be going looking for the snow globe on these guys, Um, which would be bad. Man, that dog probably lived a while with a thymoma if it had (laughs) snow globe lungs. Right. Um, we can also do ultrasound, um, but it's not like, eh, it's not the greatest tool. Really what you're going to want to do for imaging for these guys is going to be a CT because dogs with thymoma, CTs can be used for tumor staging and surgical planning just to really, again, you're going to be able to more clearly see if it's an invasive tumor versus just a space Ooh. occupying mass. So true. Um, And so it is CT scan really is just more reliable and considered gold standard for adequately defining like tumor location, tumor size and invasiveness. So definitely recommend CT scan in these guys if the clients are capable, if the clinic is capable, Um, Mm. a fine needle aspirate or even a core biopsy can be done as well, which sounds sketchy and I don't want to be a part of that. I hated being part of those. That scared me. And you're doing that in ultrasound and yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes an immunohistochemistry might be required off of those FNAs or core biopsies that might be required for definitive diagnosis. Yeah. I can't say I've had many clients get to that point where they wanted to find out all that oh see I was like oh we do all the time and <laughs> but I, again we have oncology so some of these patients were just referred there and they already kind of knew what was about to happen versus w- yeah if they come in through internal medicine they're not prepared and then I know we didn't aspirate those masses like that was not our department that was doing it um we would we would refer them to oncology if they were really like I think that's the thing is I'd always like I'd always have them treating the like pneumonia from the myasthenia gravis and then we'd refer them (laughs) (laughs) right yeah like we did our part they're still alive from the (laughs) from the pneumonia (laughs) we didn't kill them 
Yeah. Um, so when it comes to staging though, too, right. So substaging is going to really be based on the presence of parent perineoplastic syndromes. So stage zero would be no perineoplastic syndrome. Stage one would be myasthenia gravis, which is what I always saw. And then stage two would be non-thymic malignant tumor. Um, which is, it sounds bad anyway, yeah. but treatment for these guys is pretty straightforward, honestly, <laughs> like, um, yeah. treatment usually involves surgery whenever possible. So like, again, and especially in those non-invasive tumors, you know, that easy surgery, just go ahead and crack open that <laughs> chest and just pluck it out. Um, so treatment should involve surgery whenever possible. Chemotherapy and radiation has been used in the treatment of thymomas, but it just hasn't been like investigated well. So like kind of knowing whether or not like the, like how the response rate is, is variable. So there's been a lot of studies on like multi-drug protocols, um, that are very similar to like how we would treat high-grade lymphoma. And so we've like, they got partial and complete responses from that. And so, um, and but what I mean by that is like there was partial response where maybe the tumor shrunk a little bit or there was complete response where it was just like the dog did recover. Um, and so with radiation therapy, complete responses, two out of the 17 dogs that were studied had a complete response. And then with partial responses in nine out of 17 of those dogs and the survival time during these studies was over a uh, just under what over half a year like three quarters of a year so 248 mm. days um just not bad I mean almost a whole other year with a dog and I think too it's like you know was it invasive was it non-invasive and in I don't know this is why you go to oncology like <laughs> I'm just like thinking I wish we had our oncology techs on for this one mm -hmm. um because they could talk more about that but you know, it, it's, it's quality of life. And a lot of times these are older patients anyways. So there's, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is why oncologists talk to clients because I hate talking to them about survival times. So what, when they're talking to clients and even when we talk to clients, I mean, we, we do have to talk about a couple of things, which includes like the perineoplastic syndrome stuff. So if they have myasthenia gravis or megaesophagus, right? Like approximately 40% of dogs with thymoma can have those. So we want to talk to them to be like, okay, like this is what we can potentially see. If you see any of it, please let us know so we can investigate, make sure it doesn't get worse. Um, but the cool thing is, is a lot of times those things can resolve after the tumor is removed, which is really cool. Um, you know, the rarely reported perineoplastic, so hypercalcemia, severe lymphocytosis, um, erythema, multiforma, which we didn't even talk about, but that's a, a rare thing, um, and myocarditis, like those can also get better with treatment. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you can kind of talk to the clients about that and things to look for. And then, you know, there, there is this like small percentage of dogs with thymoma that can have non-thymic neoplasm. So look for tumors elsewhere or immune mediated disease, which is also when we see it, right? Like mm -hmm. that's why we do metastatic um, 
met checks, right? To see, because cancer does what cancer wants. <laughs> you know, do we have like an IMHA because of neoplasia? Um, so, you know, that's that's something else to kind of just the risks, right? And the the other things that are potentially associated with it and that we talk to clients about, so. Have you seen yeah. any dogs... Um... I've seen one dog that went and had surgery and had the thymoma removed and the myasthenia gravis did like actually like go away. <laughs> like, I haven't seen a ton of myasthenia gravis patients, honestly. Like, oh, really? So, I feel like I've yeah, like, seen a lot. It's so funny because like I was also thinking like about TCC and I was like, there's so many clinics who like haven't seen it. And we had a run there for a while where like we were half joking, but half not that we we're like, maybe something's wrong with the city water that so many dogs have TCC. <laughs> like. Oh, that's crazy. Oh, we had a, huh. we had such a run of it one year. We're like, what the heck, dude? Like it was wild. Huh. It is weird when you start seeing stuff like that. You're like, I wonder. Well, it's like the amount of myasthenia gravis cases I've seen. Like I've seen quite a few. <laughs> I I have not. <laughs> it's just interesting. Like the different, like the different areas like obviously we're on two separate sides of the country which makes it nice for, in the sense of a podcast because we can be like oh well, you haven't seen very many <laughs> and i've face. seen quite a few but i've only seen one that actually went through followed through with surgery and then like actually did recover and it was so cool <laughs> like it was so cool yeah and i also think about just like the population of animals in an area too yeah. right like they're it's not <laughs> we don't see a lot of dogs say i'm gonna move <laughs> well I will say too around you you have quite a few more specialty hospitals than around me too so yeah yeah like I'm sure your well, area probably actually has seen probably as many as I've seen but I was the only specialty hospital within mm -hmm. a two mile radius or like a two hour radius so oh yeah no <laughs> in the Bay Area like they're within a two I, I can't even tell you how many specialty hospitals I have within yeah two mile, so or it's two, two hour radius of me yeah versus where I live now in Oregon there was one <laughs> well I bet so you like, they see um, more my senior than I should have asked them that'd be interesting I bet you I bet you it's because of just like demographically like you just you guys yeah can share you have the higher cases. concentration yeah you guys can share your cases a little bit more <laughs> like, yeah probably true so it's interesting but that yeah. Thymomas are like, I don't know, like there's only so much you can actually talk about a thymoma, but um, especially because Says the internal medicine text. <laughs> well, only because like often, I don't know. I just feel like more often when you're going to see it, you're going to see it kind of coexisting with another disease such as myasthenia gravis. So put this episode and the myasthenia gravis episode together and then maybe even throw in the megasophagus episode too, just so you can get a good sense as to what the cases look like. <laughs> right just yeah. listen to all three together and then like there you go <laughs> but um yeah that was it on thymomas they are I, like i said they really are quite interesting and i also like these cases too because it's like heavy on the tech skills right it's like you're taking good x-rays and then you're doing or you're putting mm. for ultrasounds and then you're setting up for ct and you're doing that and then like if you get a chance to do an fna and look at the cytology with your doctor like it's amazing and it's like yeah. Oftentimes you're doing like special testing and stuff too, or you're treating a secondary pneumonia infection from the aspiration pneumonia from the megasophagus. Right. It's yeah. a lot of nursing care, and I really like these cases. It's a lot of nursing care. I the other agree. Thing. So. 
All right, guys. Well, that is all I got for you this week. I hope everybody has a wonderful, relaxing week after Vet Tech Week. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Yep. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.